Hey, Jordan. What's up? Happy New Year. Hey, Rob. Happy New Year. Yeah, well, it, I mean, it was kind of happy. It's it's nice to be back in the office and everything. Um, I had, uh, you know, I had a nice little trip to uh, Hawaii, but it was essential travel. So, you know, you don't need to worry about the sort of like ramifications of that with the pandemic yeah, and everything. It was very, right. I'm an essential worker, so I believe that's allowed. So Podcasting is essential work, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's correct. Um, but, you know, we got, I came back recently. We're back in the office. It was supposed to be a celebration, right? We had this big, this great victory. Yeah. Uh, just the other day, uh, people, people in the people of Georgia voted their Ossoff. We got two new senators, uh, Warnock and Ossoff coming in Democrat, Democratic party taking control of the Senate. This is supposed to be a day of celebration. We're supposed to be happy, right? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's just, it's really frustrating. And it's, uh, it's a little scary. The events that, that transpired, uh, yesterday in the state Capitol, we had Donald Trump inciting this riot in the Capitol and sending his supporters, uh, you know, ransacking the place and, and, you know, terrifying everybody and, and, you know, threatening the political leaders that were there. Uh, it was just a really scary situation. And it's frustrating, I think, especially just in the light of this great victory we had that we now we have to kind of deal with this, uh, this kind of uh, very intense kind of pseudo coup in the Capitol. There's no other way to describe mm-hmm. it. There is no, yeah, you just, you call it what it is. Yeah. In any case, though, I, I do feel like there is a way to put a sort of a positive spin on this. And in, in any sort of scary situation, in any tragic situation, um, you see people that are helping. You know, you remember that Mr. Rogers quote? Mr. Rogers talked about in any of these crises, any of these like in these kind of scary situations, look to the people that are helping. And that's what okay. gives you hope, right? Mm-hmm. That, gives you, that gives you hope for like the human spirit, the human condition. And yesterday, uh, I've was uh, no exception to that, I think. I per- personally took a lot of strength and inspiration from some of the heroes that really stepped to the plate yesterday. Like uh, like Lindsey Graham. Oh, mm-hmm. yep. Right? Yep. Just when he, you know, with two weeks to go in the Donald Trump administration, when he had kind of, you know, you might say he kind of supported him throughout a lot of those last every, four years. Every yeah. step in the way was in the yeah. lockstep, yep. Um, and also kind of gave credence to some of these conspiracy theories about the election. Yep. But then when there was people smashing into the Capitol and Lindsey Graham kind of just changed his mind and said, hey, mm-hmm. I don't I don't like this. I'm yeah. against it. That's that took that a lot of courage. Is, absolutely. Um, how about this? Uh, you know, we Mitch McConnell yes. gave that rousing speech, left me with tears in my eyes. Welcome to the resistance, sir. When he because- said. We have to do what the Constitution requires of us. Like, we literally have no choice here. We just have to accept these votes. I was so proud yeah. to be an American when he said that. Yeah, absolutely. Or you know you know who else really impressed me? Um, mm-hmm. Possible, I know, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves here, but maybe someone that could possibly be flipped to maybe join the Democratic Party for some kind of a position in the future. Kelly Loeffler. Ooh, of Georgia, yeah. mm-hmm. who again just lost her election um, in Georgia, and despite that, and despite you know initially saying that you know there was fraud involved, and and initially agreeing to uh, object to the the states that voted for Joe Biden, the the kind of states that were in question in Donald Trump's conspiracy theories, again for her to then 
as soon as potential consequences for that started to appear on the horizon, to admit defeat and to, to change your tune, change your mind about the, the objections to the election. Again, that takes strength. That takes courage. It takes humility. Mm-hmm. And that was something that I found really inspiring. So, uh, you know, we might come from... Not everyone can do that. Yeah. Yeah. We might come kind of come from different political traditions. Um, but, you know, you got to... Res- when when someone in the op- opposition party, someone who's like ideologically different from you, when they do the right thing, you have to give them credit. And that was one thing yesterday that I really drew inspiration from. Yeah. The uh, the the bravery from from those folks and, you know, Loeffler... Uh, right, you know, obviously, by licking her wounds from that defeat to John Ossoff, I think that that takes that that shows character, and that's uh, you know, it takes courage. And you know, additionally, her husband is is the head of the stock exchange, so she's got Wall Street connections. So I think she'd make a great Democrat. Exactly. Or, or talk about uh, talk about bravery, John Kelly, who Ooh, now that yes. he's kind of just like a media commentator and is not in a position to do anything about this. When he would say, you know, if I was still there, I would invoke the 25th Amendment. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, even though he might have been with Trump when he was, you know, separating migrant families at the border and kind of intentionally traumatizing mm-hmm. this entire generation of migrant children that were trying to cross the border with their parents uh, and just kind of supported Trump openly during that whole period for him to then go on CNN as when he's no longer part of the administration and admit that if he was, he would probably do something about it. Again, you just got to give it up for him. It just, it, it gives me... Heroic. It's heroic. And there's so much ideological divide in the U.S. government. People are so divided. And it just gives me hope that the United States can be sewn back together a little bit with this kind of bipartisanship, the spirit of bipartisanship. Yeah. I know that's what Joe Biden's bringing to the table with his administration. Absolutely. Hello, everyone. Hello and welcome. It's The Insurgents. It is episode 53, and we're back. We're back from our little break. We had a little break. We're back. It's the new year, new episode. Jordan, how's it going? Oh, it's going. It's going great. Yeah. Rob, how are you? I'm all right. You know, on a serious note, I, I started a show on Young Turks, so that's that's cool. That is cool. I like that. That's, like, that's a good thing. I'll be positive for once. Yeah. I kind of got some foot pain issues right now. It's kind of the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) So that's kind of unfortunate. That's kind of what's happening with Mm me. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, it's so, yeah, I mentioned we took a little bit of a break there uh, for the new year. I hope you had a decent holiday. I know know, we don't need to get into your your kind of Scrooge uh, stuff. Well, since you asked, (laughs) yeah, I... I (laughs) Yeah. I I had a nice holiday with, you know, it's it. I have to admit that I would probably be a lot more jaded about this stuff if I didn't have kids, but you know, I've got a, I've got a young uh-huh. kid. He really likes the whole thing of the, and it's, a, it's also oh, his birthday yeah, yeah, around yeah. the same time. So he's uh-huh. got the double, the birthday plus Christmas, uh, at the same time. Yeah. He was very excited. He had a great time. Um, even in this kind of crazy situation where we're not seeing anyone, you know, he handled that very well. He enjoyed it. 
it's kind of it's easy it's easier to get caught up in like the spirit of the season and to feel good when you see like a little guy that's kind of like having fun and enjoying it too so we had fun it was very tiring though it was very very tiring for like just two weeks just not really going anywhere and just being inside constantly with him you know beating me up and stuff but it was mostly it was a good it was a good uh it was a good little break and um so yeah we're back with a new episode and i know especially we left on a on a really high note Everyone really enjoyed the last one that Best we did. feedback Yeah, ever. tons yeah. of people reached out to us about how much they uh, agreed Loved with the things the that we were saying throughout the episode and how much they enjoyed how it. How well, how well. They wanted to just like really show how well they could handle differences of opinion on tactics. Yeah, exactly. Like great display of that. Yeah, we loved, we loved that. And we know that... We- never mind that... Never mind that we talked about how you can get the same outcome just a different way. <laughs> no, no. Hey, no, can't do that. We're grown adults. We're all grown adults here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, left on a high note with with that kind of a really popular episode. <laughs> but uh, so, but on the subject that we were talking about, which is of course the the sort of force the vote strategy, which ended up taking up like an entire month of discourse. Like I actually I actually took like yeah. a couple weeks off, or not a couple weeks, but like I took some time off. I wasn't online quite as much, and came back around the new year, and it's like, oh, this is still going on. Wow, that's really a long time to be discussing this. Um, and yeah, but I do think it's worth uh, touching on this briefly before we get to our guest, uh, Jared Holt, um, the right, of course, the host of the shit post podcast, right wing researcher. I don't know what we're going to talk about. Cause I know there's nothing really going on lately. That would kind of a slow time. Yeah, that that would be you know, pertinent to, to have him on, but hopefully we'll find something to talk about throughout that uh, interview. But I did want to touch on this because there's been a few developments that I think put into clearer relief some of the things we, we were kind of getting into in that episode. Um, and so number one, I think the thing that I wanted to mention here, which was that a lot of the the strategy that people were talking about, about kind of forcing Democrats and forcing people to kind of uh, go on the record with with what they believe about certain popular policies. One thing that came became kind of interesting throughout that period was Bernie Sanders did kind of do just that kind of what people were focusing on, you know, really turning these 2K checks into an issue, forcing people to go onto the record over it, particularly the Republicans, uh, but also ended up getting getting voted down when he when he tried to kind of hold the the defense spending bill hostage to vote on these checks. And then you had like several members of the Democratic Party voting with Republicans to uh, deny that. So I feel like that should give all the ammunition that you need. If, you, if you're if you wondering about which Democrats you need to like support and which ones you need to kind of primary, you can kind of go ahead with that, right? You've got plenty of evidence already in addition to the several decades of evidence that uh, came before that, of that they don't support no, all these, these Rob, popular policies. No, Rob, we have to lose spectacularly as well. <laughs> that is the only way it can be done. Yeah. We have to make a show of losing. It is the only way. Yeah. Well, that is, I mean, that's a good way of pointing it because also there was, I remember a couple of years ago, I think I forgot to mention this last time, but McConnell brought the Green New Deal to a vote in the Senate, right? Remember that? In addition, just as mm-hmm. a way to like fuck with Democrats uh, and yep. it got defeated uh, resoundingly. And if yep. you'll recall from that time, that immediately kicked off a wave of activism where people took over the Democratic Party and and then fought for this this very popular policy. So, you know, that was one example of that that working really well right <laughs> but i think this election in georgia has has clarified things a lot as well because i think especially with keeping that in mind now that the democrats have managed to control the um the senate 
which is like I I think I I found that outcome pretty unlikely after the election. So it's pretty amazing that that's what ended up oh. happening. Yeah, that's I'm shocked. Yeah. But I think it's it's worth it to keep in mind that for like AOC or any of these progressive congressmen or women to kind of like suicide bomb the Democratic Party before that election, that only really would have been helping Pelosi and Schumer because it would have been like that would have been their ideal outcome if they did not win those seats. And then they would have had a built in excuse to never fight for these progressive policies. Now that the yep. Democrats control the Senate, they do actually kind of have leverage and the Democratic leadership doesn't have any excuse to not fight for this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So I feel like if they had nuked the Democratic Party before this election, I feel like that would have just been playing right into the hands of the Democratic Party leadership, uh, and they would have had an excuse to never go for this stuff, where now they don't really have it anymore. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. Um, yeah, like you, I was shocked at the outcome. I think it was the effectiveness of the Loeffler, like Wall Street ties and corruption ties. Both of them just were so easy to hit on insider trading. And it's just like, a, it's an issue that there's bipartisan disgust toward because it's, it is uh, the as clear as day, it is an unfair advantage. So leveraging that was really, really great. I mean, coupled with Trump's just outbursts and just anti-democratic measures. I think there's an element of that, but it was more so economic injustice and economic inequality at play there. Um, I don't think it was anything really Ossoff did. He benefited from Warnock, who was just a, a likable guy. Uh, Ossoff underperformed. Uh, so they voted for, it was a lot of people, like 30, 30 some thousand or so people last I saw voted for Warnock, but not Ossoff. Um, wow. Which is kind of what the, the equation that I had in my head, despite everyone pushing Ossoff to the forefront. Um, I, I just kind of figured Warnock would do better. He's more motivating. He's more likable and interesting. Ossoff is just kind of also there. Um, but yeah, and, and to your point, it's just now they have a scenario where they have to work. That said, there's already people in the Democratic Party who are saying that they can't do things. Like Chris Coons immediately going out and saying, oh, we can't do Puerto Rico statehood. It's too divisive. Yeah. Too divisive for what, dude? It's not like, like, here's the thing. Like, you're, there's not like a huge anti-Puerto Rico lobby like there is against Medicare for all, you know? Yeah. It's just that they don't want to, like, stick their neck out too far on anything. It would shift the balance of power. Well, and it's also making this move, maybe making this move that would shift the balance of power would make Republicans mad, which, yeah. you know, you can never do that, right? It's because they don't want to fucking win. <laughs> like, we've talked about before, like, the Supreme Court fight, despite, like, despite the opportunity to, like, pack the court, um, they won't do that. And, and, and Jerry Nadler, despite, he's not in the Senate, but Jerry Nadler, Jerry Nadler was like, uh, in the in the in the immediate post, uh, Amy Coney Barrett confirmation was was talking about different ways that they could respond. Democrats could respond, and he suggested adding two justices to the court. And it's not that they want to win; they don't want to take control of the court. They want to be down one. That's the yeah, best exactly. case scenario yeah. for, for Jerry Nadler. Yeah, and it's just like this Democrat brain where it's just like, oh no, we don't want to actually have to do anything. We don't want to be on the line, but we'll just we'll complain. They love yeah. being an opposition party. Yeah. Okay, and I just wanted to go back briefly before we moved on to the the Georgia thing, which is that I think another thing that played into them winning these two seats was this move that Bernie did to make the election, or not just Bernie, but the fact that he made it about these two K checks and forced Republicans to like 
go on the record with saying whether they supported this or not. And then you had like ridiculous scenes where, you know, you had like McConnell saying like, well, we can't give rich people $2,000, literally the thing that he's devoted his entire career to doing. Um, and then, of course, eventually you had Loeffler and Purdue kind of coming uh, out with support for this, but they have no fucking credibility about it. Um, so I think that was one thing that it's like they're doing what we've kind of been advising that the Democrats do for a long time, which is just like vote for the Democrats and your life will improve somewhat, um, which is like an interesting strategy. I saw people like everyone was, of course, praising uh, Stacey Abrams for the work that she did to oh, like, um, dude. Uh, not just praising her but yeah, yeah ahead, like sorry. maybe going a little too far with some of the praise <laughs> and some yeah in some cases i'm looking at you uh jeff tiedrick um <laughs> but it was funny because I, I don't want to downplay the work that she did to improve their strategy their get out the vote strategy but when you unpacked like what that was like what that actually meant it was just like yeah so what the strategy was was we went and knocked on people's doors and we asked like how they're doing and whether they need money or food and then they were like oh yeah so vote for the democrats and then we can get you that 2k check and it's like i can't believe this worked like it's unbelievable we actually offered them something and people like responded to that i can't believe that we haven't tried this before uh which is it's just funny because i saw people you know falling over themselves to praise this like incredible strategy of offering people something which is something the democratic yeah. party never really does go figure i i was interviewing ryan Grimm the other day and we kind of had a laugh about how in any other circumstance, candidates running on, we're going to give you $2,000 would be like really sus. Um, but hey, it worked here and they did it. And now they have the power to do it, which will help people's lives. Um, McConnell's not going to be in the way anymore, but also it makes Manchin probably one of the most powerful people in, in D.C. right now, which is going to suck because he is not great. Yeah. And this this goes back to the force the vote thing. This is what I wanted to talk about, because I know that. Even the people that kind of got mad at us or even the people that were really passionate about this, I know, like, I think fundamentally, these are people that are are really frustrated. Uh, the fact that the Democratic Party does not stand for these very popular things, things that would really help their fucking lives. Like, people mm -hmm. absolutely do deserve and need uh, single-payer health care, and the Democratic Party should be absolutely fighting for these things. And that's the thing that now, now that the kind of dust has cleared a little bit, uh, this Senate race is over, they do control the Senate. I do believe, and I agree now at this point, that people like AOC and Ilhan Omar and Tlaib and, and everyone that's progressive in Congress absolutely should be putting pressure on leadership and going out on TV every single day to talk about Medicare for All and talk about the Green New Deal and talk about their signature policies and try to like build support for it. Like I absolutely agree that if the Democratic Party leadership doesn't respond to the current moment with this kind of forcefulness, then they definitely should be pushing back on that and forcing them to like have these conversations. That's the strategy that they should be employing and that they shouldn't just go along with whatever the leadership is doing. They should be making Nancy Pelosi's life as miserable as possible and being a headache for the Democratic Party leadership. I absolutely agree. So hopefully, you know, anyone that was mad at us, I, we are, I, hopefully we can get back on the same page about this. And because now I think now that they actually have the ability to pass this stuff, they do have a lot more leverage that they didn't necessarily have a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. And one thing I didn't see discussed really at all, uh, and if it was, it was fleeting, was the caucus of moderates. I, we, I think we had talked about it. I talked about it elsewhere. But the caucus of moderates who have similar leverage on the opposite end of the party, Abigail Spanberger, uh, Al Alana Slotkin, Connor Lamb, a few other uh, moderates 
who at one of them like never votes for Pelosi and a couple of them just like who just got in last term and won't vote for her. So there were already a few votes down and it's just like that's been in place for a couple of years. Like there's just there really wasn't much leverage because then it's just you are the reason it's Kevin McCarthy then. Um also, another thing that really frustrated me, okay, we're going to get into it again, but <laughs> this idea is this, this naive idea that Nancy Pelosi is the singularly evil force in the Democratic Party undermines any understanding about systemic power and systemic inequity in, in, in Congress or in D.C. or whatever in politics that she's just she's just great because she, she's so powerful because she's a skilled fundraiser and my God, if you believe that, I have a fucking bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. Because guess what? She doesn't do most of that. It's her fucking staff. And if you think that that isn't transferable, my God, are you naive? It's just they're just going to pass all of those contacts to the next person in his office or her office to Akeem Jeffries, who they have been grooming and to uh adam schiff who pelosi is rumored to want to be the next speaker because it keeps it in california yeah that like list of potential replacements for pelosi is just yeah, a, night a nightmare they're not and they're not dude they're not going to just like stop donating uh if it's somebody else they don't donate to the democrats because they like pelosi it's like the same it's like sherry bustos are in the same game at the dnc and just like it's it's all a fucking formula and it's not it has nothing to do with who they are or their capabilities it's the promise and the understanding that the democrats will never challenge the control and power that the wealthy have over this country and if you can't understand that i mean i guess it makes sense because that's why you also thought that a raving lunatic on youtube had all the answers had the magic pill the magic beans for for, for congress's problems come on dude yeah Get well, over that, yourself. That's it. I think like getting rid of Pelosi would not have solved any of those problems. I do sort of understand the inclination because yeah, she has been in, in like the leadership of the party for a long time. She has done a, a, a objectively terrible job on a number of levels. Uh, it, it would have been gratifying probably just to get that scalp, even if you didn't politically like get anything out of that. But I think now that the dust is cleared on that progressive members of congress do have a lot more leverage they should be going out there and making the case for these policies and trying to get the leadership to uh to talk about it and to build support for this within the within the public sphere like on the media and within the party and if if uh if they don't do that then yeah i think they should be criticized and they should be getting pressure from the activist side um so yeah um oh god yeah again it's like it's not <laughs> There, there is no excuse for the Democratic Party to not respond to this moment uh, really forcefully. It's a question of whether they will. You know, obviously we know what what Biden wants to do, but we saw throughout the last couple of weeks that they can kind of be pressured. Uh, I don't think Biden wanted to give anyone 2K checks, but he ended up kind of supporting it because of the pressure he was getting from Bernie Sanders and from the activist wing of the party, the progressive wing of the party. So hopefully... I think if anyone has any possibility of the Democratic Party doing anything good for the next little while, that's how it's going to have to work uh, by being pressured by by you know this. I I hate saying the squad. It sounds so ridiculous to say that about these like powerful, uh, you know, United States Congress people. But mm -hmm. I feel like that they do have an opportunity now to put that kind of pressure on the leadership, and that it maybe didn't make as much sense to do it a couple of weeks ago, but now I think it does make a lot more sense. 
So hopefully we're going to see that. Well, we will see. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's one of the things I talked about it, you know, once they won those Senate seats, history tells us where this is going to go. You know, we know we know they probably will not you know, use that power that they have to enact this big, bold agenda that everyone listening to this show wants. They probably will not, you know, pack the Supreme Court or doing any of these or do a D.C. statehood or, or Puerto Rican statehood. But, you know, I would be happy to be wrong about that. Maybe they'll surprise us. Maybe maybe Diamond Joe has got a one final ace up his sleeve, Jack. Ugh. Yeah, you sound you sound pretty optimistic as well. So uh, no, I mean, that's not going to do anything. <laughs> Well, it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna see we're gonna see what happens, and uh, we'll be we'll be talking about it on the show and strap in. I guess it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a crazy next couple of uh, of years there. Let's bring on let's bring on Jared now. We're already going longer than I was anticipating. Let's let's bring on Jared Holt. We're gonna talk about um, just I don't know whatever whatever we can kind of come up with. Again, not not a lot has happened in Washington the last couple of days, so you know who knows. Now we're joined by Jared Holt, who is an extremism researcher uh, and host of the Shitpost podcast. And Jared has been tracking the far right for years. So uh, he's joining us today to talk about yesterday's uh, events. We're recording this on Thursday, January 7th. So yesterday's events. Jared, uh, how's it going? How were your holidays? How was your coup day? (laughs) Uh, Pretty good. I'm kind of confused why I'm here still. Did something happen yesterday? Usually people don't call me unless something bad happened. Yeah, I just thought we were going to talk about like video games and sports and that stuff. I wasn't paying really attention to the news yesterday too yeah, much. Yeah, Jared, are you a, are you a gamer? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, g- gamer to my core, Cyberpunk 2077. Oh boy. Um, good game despite its flaws. <laughs> Did you play it? Oh, yeah. I, I have clocked uh, more hours <laughs> than I will publicly state on that game. But Really? <laughs> yeah. You liked it? Jared spent like a hundred, like 115 hours just on like the character creation screen. Yeah, just customizing <laughs> the genitals, customizing his dick. Scene. Yeah, yeah. I, I was, I was thinking, you know, do I, do I make the dick on my character small as a joke, or do I make it enormous? What do you mean? Wait, at- what, a joke? What's the, what's the punchline? Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very polarizing uh, though, because I heard, I've heard people say that it's bad, and I've heard some people say like really get quite into it. Do you think it's something that might get better with time as they add patches and kind of take that base and, and add stuff to it? I mean, you seem to be pretty into it already. I, I mean, they, they're going to have to do something because yesterday, thousands of people swarmed the U.S. Capitol chanting, fix the glitch, fix the glitch. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. They're very passionate. We got to support gamers when they rise up when like that. When gamers rise up like that, you just have to seize the moment. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I think um, we should probably actually talk about this, though, right? I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, how was your day, Jared? I mean, I know you're you're neck deep in this stuff and have been for many years now. Um, what was your day like yesterday? And, and also, a follow question: Like, were you surprised at all about the events uh, that took place yesterday, or or what what was your reaction to the the wild day yesterday of the of Donald Trump inciting a riot uh, in the uh- U.S. Capitol? 
Yeah, so I, I've been doing work for the past few months around extremism and its threat to the democratic process in this country. That started uh, with tracking various groups who were talking about uh, intimidating voters at poll sites or, you know, in some cases worse. And then after the election went through, I it shifted into monitoring any sort of extremist threats to, uh, you know, the transition of power. So in the weeks leading up to this weird attempted coup thing, I, I keep hearing the phrase stupid coup, and I think it's, it's, you know, it's almost cliche at this point, but it's kind of perfect to describe it. Um, you know, in the weeks leading up, all these extremist groups were like, all right, yeah, Trump called us to D.C., let's pack up, let's go. And I was like, okay, they say this every time. And then they're like, no, this is the hotel I'm staying at. No, I'm going to meet you in this Denny's parking lot, and we're going to caravan. And I was like, oh, shit, a lot of these groups are actually going to go. And even then, I was kind of, like, cautious about it, because so much online extremism stuff is, like, just a bunch of bluster. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and then my day on... Wednesday went something kind of like this, uh, where I wake up, I start my, you know, monitoring of the situation, and very quickly I'm like, oh, look, all of these extremist groups did show up. And then there's videos coming out of them, you know, yelling into megaphones that if things don't go their way, they're going to, like, bring rifles or like we have to storm the capital and i was like oh they're saying all the things they said online but in person now um and then once trump was like all right you guys gotta go to the capital i was just like oh shit <laughs> and <laughs> everything it, it's really weird right because like i said so much of extreme extremism research is trying to parse out like what rhetoric is actively dangerous and what is just like hateful and disgusting and but otherwise um you know i hate to say harmless but like not it doesn't pose like a physical danger to people um but this was one of those instances where like all of the rhetoric and all of the like posturing of like we're gonna surround the capital we're gonna bring weapons we're gonna do this and like fuck the police we're gonna overwhelm them with the crowd size like it was almost like, you know, the Donald Forum Board was like the Holy Scripture prophecy of what was going to happen. So, you know, in hindsight, I guess I'm not that surprised. But while it was happening, um, you know, maybe surprised isn't the right word. But I, it, I was kind of amazed that all of it actually came true. Yeah, I think that's kind of one of the funny things about the response from this which people with people are, are saying they were completely taken aback kind of people in mainstream media people that don't like follow these conversations that much but it's amazing like how openly a lot of these folks were discussing this on like the donald forum and they've like they've been talking to each other for weeks about this event and like talking to them like they're saying goodbye to their families they're right. explicitly saying like we're going to be storming the capital like totally not <laughs> you know just saying explicitly what they were planning on doing and also the other thing is that, like, these people really have been twisted up by, like, constant misinformation over the last, well, several years, but specifically the last, like, two months, 
where Donald Trump has like spread these conspiracy theories about the election, about the election results and, you know, it not being valid, being fraudulent. And that's the kind of thing that I was like, I don't see why anyone would be surprised that people reacted in this in this way when, you know, when you tell people, uh, you know, there's a fraudulent election that just happened. We've got widespread evidence of it. Uh, hundreds of thousands in votes, uh, completely like illegitimate government taking over. Like, it's not really surprising that people would react that way. I mean, with like, I don't understand if they, if you really believe that stuff, like what other, what other, you know, option do you have at that point than to like, uh, react violently like that? So right. the, the you, confused you... reaction to it was, was kind of amusing to me. Yeah. I mean, if you genuinely believe that the democratic system of government has been compromised by this nefarious cabal of things that can only be exposed by Q, like what, what what are you going to do? Right. Um, and all the rhetoric we saw online made pretty clear that something bad was going to happen. Um, you know, going back to whether I was surprised or not, you know, I guess what the surprise was um, from my perspective is just that um, w- the bad thing that did happen was also like the absolute worst case scenario. There are only a few ways this could have gotten worse. Uh, and I think a lot of people who are trying to uh, dismiss it, uh, especially on the right or people who are now trying to uh, do heel turns or change their tone, as we saw with senators last night no longer being willing to uh, adopt uh, the grievances of the house and and, and further them uh, for their objections on various states they changed their um, minds i mean it's... yeah the da- the damage is still done at the end of the day they went in there and what what do- hasn't really <laughs> been mentioned much is that it seemed to be they were trying to get to the actual uh uh votes from the state, like the actual like boxes of votes of electoral uh, certification votes, whatever those envelopes are, whatever the technical name is for them. But a, a, a quick-footed staffer for I believe um, Tammy Duckworth grabbed them, <laughs> secured them, and I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they could just like have new forms, but it would delay the process, and it seemed to be that was their ultimate goal. Um, they wanted to uh, obstruct. And delay or in, in their minds overturn the results of the election, which is an anti-democratic measure. Like it's no longer about uh, property damage or uh, violence as a form of protest. However, you might feel about that. This was this was an effort. As as stupid as it was, uh, it was an effort to uh, impact uh, a functioning democracy uh, at home. And and certainly, you have to be cognizant of. America's role in that around the world. But just as we don't want that to happen around the world, we don't want that to happen uh, in any functioning democracy, right? So the, the the posturing, the hollow posturing from even Democrats was like, this is not who we are. I mean, it is. <laughs> this is yeah. who we are. This is this is uh this is the the core American white nationalist uh conservative grievance. And to ignore that is is just setting yourself up for future instances of this. Like this isn't going away. Uh, they're not going to. They're not going to suddenly change their minds once Trump leaves office. This is an issue that's going to uh, be nagging uh, American society for a while, and it's critical that they spearhead it. But they're not going to. We can get into that later. But this is this is going to persist, 
and yesterday was just a glimpse into what's coming. It's only going to get uglier. Yeah, I I mean, especially right before we started recording, uh, Trump put out this video where I, I'm pretty sure if you zoomed out the camera just a little bit, you'd see Mike Pence with an AK-47 aimed right at Trump's skull, <laughs> you know, making him read this thing that's like, um, all right, it's the guys. the deep state. Uh, they got to him. That was, uh, well, that didn't go as planned. Um, oh, yeah, Biden's going to be the president. Um, you guys are probably going to go to jail. Although, Jared, Jared, he didn't actually say the word Biden. I'm already seeing the spin from, like, the right-wing extremists right now saying, oh, he didn't <gasps> say the word Biden. He said a new administration. Yeah. Which yeah, means he could just go. be talking about his next administration with all this yep. turnover and stuff. Mm-hmm. So the, even that has not, has not been enough. about that? He, yeah. gets, he gets rid of Pence, the traitor. Yeah. Yeah. The ultimate heel turn. Donald Trump, <laughs> by executive order, appoints Bernie Sanders, the president-elect. Oh, that would, that would be the best way to own the libs, really, when you think yeah, about it. They don't yeah, you should do that. I'd be so triggered. I've, I'd be so triggered. <laughs> Do, please, Donald Trump, if you're listening yeah. to the insurgents, please don't Never appoint. Do that. He's a big fan. He's called him before. So. Yeah. But to what you were saying, Jordan, uh, this threat is not going away. It does not end here. Uh, you know, in our observations over at DFR Lab, we're already seeing discussions uh, within extremist communities of trying to do something like this again. But the discussions are much darker. You know, people mm-hmm. are talking about trying to do something like this again, but bringing a bunch of weapons in while they do it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, if we don't learn the lesson here and, you know, quickly try to do fucking anything about it if the consequences are not as severe as the actions that were on display on wednesday you know we're we're fucked i don't know what how else to put it you know there's not like a diplomatic cheery way to do to say that yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. People were even kind of downplaying it, just kind of like, oh, they're just kind of walking around and they're in the rope. They look like in the the, the rope barrier there. They look like they're on like an, an eighth grade tour or whatever. But like there was people going into the Capitol where the entire United States government happened to be at that moment with backpacks. Like no one was no one was like tracking, searching any of that. Like anything could have happened. Like the fact that it ended the way it did, I think is like almost like a best case scenario. Like it, it, it that absolutely could have been an absolute fucking disaster. Um, and it's it's kind of lucky, in fact, that it, that it didn't turn out like that. Right. And I think that, you know, Capitol Police obviously failed to protect the building, but something they did do was they managed to uh, keep members of Congress and their staffers safe while this was happening. Because people went in there, like there's one photo of this guy who has what looks like a pistol on his side and is, you know, multiple photos of people carrying these zip tie handcuffs. You mm-hmm. know, if they had been able to get in the same room as lawmakers and overwhelm police further, it's very likely that they would have killed members of Congress or their staffers. And I feel like there's just not enough chatter going on about the fact that two bombs were found yeah. near the Capitol. Yep. Like, and, you and know, they verified as, that those were, in fact, like explosive devices that could have gone off. Right. Like, this could, I mean, as bad as it was, and it was horrific, this could have been a national tragedy. I mean, you know, this was already one of the most successful terrorist attacks in U.S. history in the fact that 
this will inspire far-right extremists for the next decade. Like the Christchurch shooting inspired copycats. Um, you know, people are going to remember this and think um, there, there was a writer that um, Osita from, I think he writes for the New Republic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just, you know, made this comparison between what happened at the Capitol and Woodstock being like every right wing person is going to say they were there and have like different stories about the time that they like <laughs> stole the speaker's podium from the house floor. Yeah. Well, and they're already kind of trying to like sanctify and canonize the, the woman that was killed. Um, oh yeah. They're going to well. say her name shit. Yeah. Instantly, man. She was turned into a martyr. Well, and of yep. course. Yeah. And it's, it's weird because I saw people kind of like, not celebrating, but kind of mocking her. And like, I do, I like, I kind of understand the inclination. Um, but at the same time, I found myself struck just, it just, it felt sad to me that someone had been, when you looked into this person's like posting history and they had been so twisted up by these like conspiracy theories and people like very deliberately lying to her mm-hmm. and this, this, you know, millions of people that, that also believe the same stuff. Mm-hmm. I like you know I do kind of understand the sort of irony of someone you know pose the things are we're going to start winning on January sixth and then that's <sighs> the end of that's the result I know and people you know it's a scary situation people find morbid humor in, in these kinds of things but sure I just found myself struck by like how kind of sad that was that uh, that someone got twisted up so much inside that they felt the need to literally sacrifice their lives for this fucking game show host president who would not ever even interact with that person if it, if it came down to it if the Dude, if he, yeah. he didn't wasn't forced to you know yeah and yeah. another reason this is going to keep going is because all of these different extremist groups that we saw out there the QAnon believers the militias the um you know white supremacist groups and all the like weird infowars wing of right-wing media all of those radical elements were brought together for, I think, like nearly two months in these Stop the Steal national protests and were glommed on as a coalition, even though they all have sort of competing uh, agenda items or subject interests. They were all united on the idea that the election was stolen and that some sort of coup was happening in the United States. And the only question is what that coalition is going to look like going forward and if it's going to stay together. Um, you know, the fa- any time that extremist movements unite behind a principal cause, bad things happen. You can just look at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville uh, in 2017. That was horrific. But that was a moment of extremist groups coming together and taking action. Um so, you know, the future, I would I would love to give people a reason to be optimistic, but if we sit around and do nothing, there really is no reason to be. Yeah, there... Uh... I, I love coming on shows. I'm such a... <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is fun. This is making me feel good. Yeah. No, I mean, we it's, always it's... end up going to these places and these conversations. We never have, we never have good conversations on here. No. I don't even Everything's pretty listen. bad, so it's kind of hard to avoid that, you know? <laughs> um. Yeah, that's like this is this is going to be tapped into by Josh Hawley. I mean, he used that moment uh despite like despite everything that happened yesterday, he still objected to the results or 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 tried to 
whatever, it, whatever the process was technically called. I'm, so, I'm sorry if I'm getting it wrong, but it basically objected to the the results of some of the states, uh, these battleground states, which he's going to use uh, in his likely 2024 ambitions. These people are going to see him as a hero for standing with Trump. They're not going to see it the way so many other people, like liberals especially, or even like Republicans who are frustrated by this. They're not going to see this as some uh, a coup attempt or, or, or anti-democratic measure. This is, this is exactly what Rob and I have, have been warning people about throughout like, this show. It's just he's going to speak to the, the populist inclinations of people. He's going to be much more articulate than Trump is on these on these issues. He is going to get them riled up in a much more effective way because he could talk to he could speak to issues that they care about uh, and he will get plaudits in ways that Trump never would uh from people across the Republican spectrum but also like on the fringes like he's going to have the Tucker credibility, he's going to have the Laura Ingram credibility. People that that really gets these people riled up and also serve as like gateways to a broader, more fringe world of media. I mean, he is going to be a hero to a lot of them. That Trump even got more people uh, voting for him this term should horrify everybody. This this is going to like, like look, what Jared says is going to continue to get worse. And you've got somebody just waiting in the wings to pick up the torch. Ted Cruz at the end, I think at the end of the day. In internally does not actually think this is good, but he still stood by it and he still went, went along with the uh, the objections as well because he too has presidential aspirations. He's just an opportunist. He doesn't give a shit. He's absolutely going to lean into this as well. So you're going to have a competition between those two in presidential hopes and then the QAnon House members so they can continue to advance in the ranks. This is going to be an opportunity and it's going to it's going to play into what will effectively be a much more violent Tea Party 2.0 because the, Stop the Steal was an actual effort. They're just going to keep pumping money into that, whether it's Stop the Steal or something else. They're going to continue to pump money into these efforts and just astroturf a Tea Party 2.0 that's way more fringe, way more radical and way more violent. And it's going to be a shit show on midterms if Democrats are going to respond like they have been with, Mr. Trump, step up, sir. Mr. Trump, please <laughs> denounce this. He doesn't fucking give a shit. He spoke at the rally and said, we're going to march to the Capitol. <laughs> Minutes before it happened, he spoke to the crowd and got him riled up. And then you want to say, oh, Mr. Trump, sir, please denounce this. He doesn't fucking care. Yeah. Well, and that's I have to focus on this, too, because like I, I was really I was can't help but find this extremely funny um as well i mean i mentioned like giving your life for this this guy who obviously does not fucking care about any of you um or just like giving up your freedom like many of these people that stormed the capitol now are in serious legal jeopardy these people that who are basically doing what the president told them to even if he didn't directly said go into the capitol and, and you know break a bunch of stuff but like we said if, if you're filling people with misinformation for weeks at a time talking about this stolen fraudulent election you know, encouraging people to go fight and make your voices heard down at the Capitol and intimidate these like Republicans who are not standing up to the the deep state that's trying to, you know, run this fraudulent election. 
And then for him to put up this statement today and immediately throw all these people under the bus and be like, I can't believe there was violence at this rally. Uh, we must prosecute all the people that were involved in this. It's unbelievable how craven it is. And it's like incredible how these people still are probably telling themselves, oh, yeah, he, Donald Trump's really on our side. He's really like he's the guy that goes out there and fights for us. They, mm-hmm. they All these folks did exactly what he wanted uh, in an effort to make him happy, and which it did make him happy. There was footage of him like watching this and like smiling and chuckling at it. Um, and then for him to just like immediately throw them under the bus. And, you know, it's just it's unbelievable. And you would think that might shake some of the resolution of some of these people. But uh, I have a feeling that it probably won't work out like that. Something else no. that happened, um, you know, that I feel like is important to this whole picture is the fact that right wing media played along with these just dog shit conspiracy theories and lies about the election. All of the media figures like Glenn Beck just getting red in the face saying, you know, like the color revolution is about to begin and it starts with them stealing the election. We have to stop them. And then as soon as like people actually do something based on their words, they're like, Oh yeah, I was looking at the crowd. Um, pretty sure we got some Antifa in there. And and the best tweet I saw, uh, it was from this, uh, this account is called metal text. Uh, it it oh, just yeah, sums it yeah. all up perf- perfectly. It says, half of right-wing Twitter right now is saying, this is a false flag by Antifa. And the other half is posting pictures from the Capitol saying, this is me. I'm doing this. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the really that's the really remarkable thing because this is like a, a, a riot that got spawned th- in the like right-wing uh, like conspiracy theory ecosystem. And like, you know, Donald Trump obviously is a major part of that. He's kind of part of this feedback loop where he both creates the conspiracy theories and is influenced them by them uh, himself. Um, So you have this whole movement that created that was created by these right wing conspiracy theorists. And then as soon as the movement happens, exactly. And you have like we were saying before, you have hundreds of people openly saying online, yeah, I'm going to go storm the Capitol. You had people that day saying, like, I love Donald Trump and this is why I'm here. And when I was in Nancy Pelosi's office uh, stealing her mail and stuff, just openly admitting (laughs) to it. And still that doesn't stop that that doesn't stop the right wing uh, conspiracy theorist ecosystem from, again, immediately going into like spin mode and somehow trying to deny the obvious reality and suggesting that this is somehow the fault of like left-wing agitators and to still have people believe that you really are just like you you're at this point you're just not connected to reality like in any sense of the term you know that's the danger though that's what i mean hedges writes about this like so often it's one of his like main topics like the rise of christian fascism in america uh it's often how it interplays with war but also how it's enabled by uh, a cowardly democratic party and liberal class and i mean i was rereading some of his stuff on the rise of christian fascism uh last night in kind of the wake of all this and just every from the, his book american fascist every column he wrote at, 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 with with after new flashpoints in this and this uh vein um it was just like you have to be aware of the warning signs and that they're not rooted in reality uh it's always some other agitator or someone other some other culprit when whenever things go awry um and they rely on like mysticism, which I guess in this case would be a fucking QAnon uh, conspiracy. They rely on these like absurdist claims to guide them. 
And at the end of the day, it's going to result in mass violence as we've seen play out and we will continue to see play out. So people who are, whether it's people who track this stuff daily or people who think about this at like an academic or philosophical level, they're all saying the same things and they're all pointing to the same causes and reasons. It's that liberals are kind of feckless and aren't addressing material needs that these people have. And that makes the situation right for somebody like a Trump or like a Holly to exploit. I'm not we're, no one is, no one is saying that the racism isn't isn't real or tangible. Like this is this is absolutely an issue. But it's be, those sentiments are exploited by a right-wing hollow populist actor like a Trump or like a Holly or the many more that we'll see continue to pop up. Like this is time and time again we've seen how these scenarios have played out whether it's Bolsonaro or whether it's Trump or other historical examples, it's the same formula. It's the same recipe. And the answer is a robust left-wing populism, but they don't want to do it because the liberals are beholden to the corporate class. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and But that's also another thing that, like I said, because I saw people kind of like downplaying the, the, the danger of what happened yesterday and kind of people that on the, the sort of um, a certain element of the online left that's saying mm -hmm. like certain certain like progressive commentators that we don't need to get into, but saying things like, oh no, if these people were getting like two thousand dollar checks, you know, would they be there rioting at the Capitol? But like that's not really what this was. Yeah, uh, they don't and, give and, a fuck about the checks. They think yeah, that like lizard people are stealing the election. Yeah, because I don't yeah. want to downplay there is absolutely a link between economic anxiety and and extremism and people that get funneled yeah, into these it's, movements. It's how you it's how you ferment that kind of sentiment. It's not that if you gave them a, a check they would be placated. They could have given them the check and still told them to go out and they would have. Yeah, well I mean like the the guy from Pelosi's office, they found out that he did get one of those coronavirus <laughs> small business loans for like ten thousand bucks. Yeah. Um, like these weren't economically anxious people that are that are desperate because of the the economic conditions of the United States. But like these were like well-to-do like small business owners who were mad that the the game show host president lost, and like that was mm -hmm. kind of that was what was motivating them. And I think mm -hmm. you had people kind of trying to give this altruistic spin to it, saying like these are like our our class allies or whatever. But I don't really think that was the case in this particular instance. Not to downplay the fact that there that is an element of of right-wing extremism, absolutely. But it didn't yeah. seem like that was an expression of it yesterday. Somewhat. I mean, it certainly is not like. A one size fits all approach. Like some definitely were struggling. Uh, I, I saw some people had like found out where some folks lived, and it was like they did, they did seem to be struggling. But others were staying at a four hundred dollar hotel. So like every situation, it's not a one size fits all thing. But um, it doesn't. It definitely doesn't negate the need to actually meet people's material needs. Uh, I mean, that's right. right that's right, absolutely right. still a huge priority. By the way, Jordan, you absolutely called it uh, immediately after the Trump uh, video. Uh, Dana Bash said show, showing a new tone from Wow. Trump. See, see, wow. It's almost like she does that every single time. <laughs> no, see, this shit is just like an active disservice to viewers. Uh, you are losing intelligence when you're watching people like that. When people like are, are just like, ooh, shiny toy is like, just get off the TV, man. I, I'll make cable news like an hour a day and have good information or something. This is just. I don't uh. <laughs> Yeah. One thing I wanted to ask about Jared as well, because I think, because, yeah, I've seen people also, you know, certain commentators that we don't need to name again. Um, you know, for instance, being people that name my name with like Len uh, Schmienwald, would have been kind of like downplaying the threat 
of right-wing extremism, I think, uh, to a, a sort of detrimental effect. And kind of saying, you know, after the election, oh, look, they didn't go and all these material, you know, they didn't show up and uh, and riot as everyone predicted they would. Uh, and then and then when it did finally happen. Well, well, you know, certain commentators, um, you know, were just sitting there when it happened, like, oh, my God, how could this ha- be happening here? It's like, <laughs> I don't know, man. You tell me. Apparently, like, you know everybody who studies far-right extremism is wrong and and you're right so so why don't you tell us um bullen yeah okay but here's here's another thing i wanted to ask you about uh, jared because i think part of the reason that people downplay these movements is because they they look at a lot of these marches and they look at a lot of the people that are in these movements and they just seem ridiculous. Uh, you look at the Proud Boys or some of these other right wing groups, their obsession with like memes, the Boogaloo Boys, right, with their like Hawaiian shirts, um, the whole like Kekistan thing, the the frogs, and people look at that stuff and they say like, how can I possibly be? Why would we ever be scared of these people? These are ridiculous. They're nerds. Uh, these are just like extremely online people. But I feel like that's a little bit of a mistake because I feel like that that kind of ridiculousness is kind of a feature and not a bug of these groups, right? Not just in the, the last four years of, of right-wing extremism during the Trump era, but of fascism, fascist movements in general. Yeah, um, that's ex- that's exactly right. I mean, if you even think back to the Ku Klux Klan, uh, or I'm sorry, the Ku Klux Klan, I always fuck this up. The KKK is what yeah. I'm talking about. Um, you know, they called themselves like grand wizards and dressed up in, like gaudy outfits, you know, right wing extremist movements throughout history have made very conscious efforts to soften their image through self ridicule. Um, you know, you think about the proud boys who punch each other while naming cereals or, uh, and you know, so many extremist movements, some of their most cherished propagandists are their, you know, comedians and stuff. Not only does, you know, ridiculous behavior and presentation, uh, you know, soften the image and kind of diffuse hostility that would normally come towards these uh, movements, but it's also a very gainful and we see repeatedly over and over again, successful recruiting vector. If you can get people laughing and nodding along, you can slowly start to lead them towards the more extreme stuff. You know, it's the classic salesman tactic, getting somebody to a yes. Maybe you, you, you're not going to walk up and immediately say, you know, do you want to buy this car? And the person's going to say yes, but you can say, you know, is safety important in your vehicle? And if somebody says yes to that, you're moving on to the next thing. Well, this car's got great airbags or whatever the, it's a labored analogy, but am I being clear? Am I getting the point across? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's just, yeah. You appeal to one thing. It's like, hey, don't you want to keep our community safe? It's like it's like marches that they'll have, like protecting our streets or or keep crime out of whatever town. But at the end of the day, it's really just a scare, like black residents away. Right. Uh, look at I mean, just look at how they respond to Black Lives Matter uh, protests in general. I mean, these are people saying we don't want to die. And then you, for an example, you had you had quotes that emerged from yesterday where they were like, "No, you're supposed to be shooting BLM, not us." It's not. It's like they they wrap it up in this 
rosy, flowery, colorful language that, you know, at first glance seems appealing. Yeah, I want to keep my community safe. I don't want people busting into my house. But that, like you said, steps like it's a stepping stone for something else. It's like, hey, have you ever noticed who's committing all the crime here? Never mind that it's a result of uh, predatory or discriminatory policing practices, or never mind that it's about broken windows policing. It's, hey, look at these trends. Then they start to hook them with other things. So yeah, absolutely. It makes sense. Yeah. And that's another thing that I noticed too, because like a lot of the people that were storming the Capitol yesterday, it was like, it was like you're like an innocent gam gam. Like I was, I was really oh struck by that one image of like that elderly lady who's just kind of like <laughs> smiling with her flag. And she looks like she's in the lineup for like the early special, like, like fucking Cracker Barrel or, or something. Oh, dude. And it's by just far. like, and it's just like, yeah, of course. Like why, how would you, why would you ever be intimidated by this people? Dude, um, but it's, again, I feel like that's part of it as well, because in addition to the gam gams and the MAGA dads that were in there, there's also like legitimately dangerous, like white supremacist militia types as well. And the fact that these people are kind of like mixed in is, is again, it's like a feature. It's like they're, they're, they kind of hide in plain sight and it's very easy to dismiss it because it's like how ridiculous a lot of it is, but it doesn't change the fact that there's still extremely dangerous people that are involved in this movement. Right. Yeah. You know, you have these like extremely violent groups that are carrying around plastic handcuffs and guns. But then you also have like the Q shaman who's like, <laughs> who's like screaming yeah. like that the storm is here. And, and you have like baked Alaska and Nancy Pelosi's office being like, ring, ring, hello. Uh, yeah, I'm Nancy Pelosi. And it's just like so fucking stupid. I also, uh, sorry, I also the, just, the funniest, the funniest tweet I saw on that point specifically. The funniest tweet I saw, although they deleted it, and I don't know why, it was, but it was hilarious. They said, these people revolve their lives around hating Nancy Pelosi, and the only thing they can do when they finally get into her office, they break into the Capitol, get into her office, the only thing they could think of doing is pretending to be on the phone. It's <laughs> yeah. like, it's like, you really dropped the ball. You had a golden opportunity. You hate her so much, but it's like, oh, hello, I'm Pelosi. I'm on the phone. Well, and also he's COVID positive as well, so he's literally just like giving people coronavirus while they're while they're doing oh, one as well. Oh, I I don't know how much that is true. I I'm inclined not to believe the the great uh, you know testimony of baked <laughs> <Yeah>. Alaska, <laughs> yeah. but famously trustworthy uh, individual, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> leading source yeah. for <laughs> no, but that was one of the like. There was, I think, that was one of the, the weirdest things about yesterday is that you kind of like you had to laugh a little bit about it because it's so it is so ridiculous and it is so stupid. Um, so it's like you had to kind of find that balance between being like legitimately concerned and alarmed that like this was happening, while also just being like you know this is so stupid, and seeing people like Baked Alaska, like openly just like committing these like serious crimes while live streaming, like literally just doing it for online clout. Um, and now are now being thrown under the bus by Trump and will most likely be facing serious legal consequences for it. Right. Like felony charges. Like, like you guys aren't, you guys are going to have a really hard time getting a job later. Um, you know, it, and it, that's something I haven't seen like discussed, uh, in length too many places, which is just the fact that like, all these dipshit streamers that ran into the Capitol are like so addicted for the content and just like effectively published like the FBI's like, (laughs) like wet dream of evidence all over the internet. But going back, you know, I feel like the phrase stupid coup has been uh, adopted by, uh, 
you know, the libs or whatever to get like the sick own in Trump's mentions. But it really is, I think, the perfect term for what we saw, which is like if this had been even just like a little bit more competent, like this would have been horrific, like absolute, like a hundred times worse than it really was. Like if there was any saving grace, it's just that like 90% of the crowd was like dipshit boomers. And I, uh, one of my favorite tweets I kept saying, seeing on Wednesday. Um, and you know, I, over the years I've learned to laugh at different parts of extremism, just as, um, I mean, I'll be real. It's a coping mechanism, right? Otherwise, sure, yeah. you know, you laugh so you don't cry sometimes. Um, was just people remarking that, like, <laughs> the boomers had, like, <laughs> the boomers unleashed or something. Like, it's just, like, insane, <laughs> <laughs> insane boomer energy in the Capitol. Well, that's that was one of the funny <laughs> things that I was struck by, though, which is that it seems like a lot of the folks that made it inside had no idea like they had no idea that they would get that far and then once they're there they're like they have no fucking clue what to do uh the so then you see them like in silly, yeah that's why you see them like pissed. making making silly phone calls and just like wandering around like they're on like a museum tour or something <laughs> that was one of the most surreal things about watching this unfold yeah they they just smashed in the doors to the Capitol, and then they go in the rotunda and make sure to walk within the ropes amazing in the it's incredible <laughs> Right. <laughs> um, so bizarre. Although, uh, it was. I, I, I will say, as, as really as fucked up as it is, my favorite guy is the guy who got up uh, on the podium and just screamed that Trump was now the president of the United States. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And like, real, like Michael Scott, I declare bankruptcy energy. Yeah. Um, yeah. As if, like, Nancy Pelosi is, like, watching on the closed circuit TV and it's just like, God damn it, they did it. Like, How'd they do yeah. <laughs> How they know? <laughs> this is one of the things I was really struck by, um, which is that in the wake of this, it seems like there's people who have constantly enabled Trump, both in the political world but also in the tech world. Now deciding two weeks before the end of the presidency, like, well, we need to do something about this. Like you saw Twitter taking down his tweets. Finally, even though this is certainly not the first time that Trump has incited violence, or you know, used Twitter as a platform to like spread dangerous misinformation. Uh, you saw him getting booted off uh, Facebook and Instagram and all these platforms. And I, it is really amazing that all these these big tech companies that have profited immensely from Donald Trump and from the right-wing ecosystem now kind of taking this stand and saying, like, we're, we're now we're going to do something about this, literally for, like 22 weeks away from from uh, being out of the job and still kind of getting mm-hmm. credit for it. And also, also key point, out of the job, but also no longer in a position to spend tens or hundreds of millions of dollars on ads like he was yeah, they, they right. were pumping yeah. millions and millions and millions in their fat their 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 facebook ad uh enterprise they're not going to do that anymore so now now that they've wrung every last fucking penny out of the trump campaign apparatus now zuckerberg has seen enough yeah it's it's literally that scene in spongebob that's like the the picture of uh spongebob and patrick standing while bikini bottoms on fire and it's like we did it patrick we saved the city yeah (laughs) yeah it's that but for silicon valley you know they were happy to profit off all the engagement and division and outright conspiracy and hysteria stoked by the trump (laughs) campaign not to forget just the 
explicit racism that was that was so inherent to the MAGA project. Um, you know, they were happy to enrich themselves, but it suddenly became like, uh, like if anybody thinks this was anything besides a business decision, it's time to wake up. Like it, that's the only thing these companies really care about. And like one of the things they are most scared of is negative PR and like the stock price going down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which is why we should give, um, all social media companies over to uh, Jordan's kitten and my puppy. I think they would do a very good job. Um, I heard Pierre uh, weighing in back there, so yeah. Yeah, Pierre's got a lot of thoughts. Um, Pierre is a patriot. He supports the First Amendment and the Second Amendment. Um, Let's he, go. He doesn't know what the others are yet because he can't. Uh, he can't see you know, the rest of the computer screen I have pulled up for him, but he thinks the first two are pretty good. Oh, um, great, great. Yeah. Yeah. And so not only are these tech companies throwing them overboard and expecting to be like, get a round of applause for it. You also have political leaders like Mitch McConnell, like Lindsey Graham, who have been, who have been perfectly happy to, you know, advance their political project through Trump and have supported him through this entire four years and have, you know, just been stalwart allies of him throughout this whole process. Now they're also kind of uh, uh, throwing him overboard as well. And they're also being praised for it as well. And like that's the that's the really bizarre thing for me is that I, it really seems like a lot of everything that's happened over the last few years is going to be forgotten. And you see people kind of in the political establishment, in the media establishment, really looking to turn the page on that. And it would be nice i feel i feel if some of the people who have like enabled this for years and have been you know allowing trump to carry on this exact kind of behavior for so long if they were if that was tied to them for the rest of their fucking careers but it just doesn't seem like that's going to be the case which is like really just hard to even wrap your mind around right there doesn't seem to be like any apparent effort you know by the powers that be to hold anybody accountable for this i mean we can only hope that you know once biden is inaugurated and you know the doj which seems to have at least some promising appointees like starts really you know working up that like there will be investigations there and like people will face consequences for this but um i i will say if history is any precedent though um i I'm not holding my breath for it. Yeah. I mean, they will valorize people like Kyle Rittenhouse. They're going to valorize everyone who who supports this, everyone who enabled it, everyone who stood by them, and everyone who makes tacit defenses of them, whether it's a politician or the, or the perpetrators. It's going to be fine. This is the new Republican Party. This is the face it's, it's taking now, um, or the shape it's taking now. It's just, there is no... There is no conscientious objector if if people uh, stay in that party. I, there's just not that I really want them to join the Democrats, but it's just like, uh, I mean, I guess they could, but unlike what Project Lincoln and those people have tried to do, like they don't need to be at the forefront dictating where the party goes. Uh, th- this is, if you are still in that party and you think that there are any redeeming qualities 
after yesterday, you are fucking delusional. Yeah, I mean, this seemed pretty pretty apparent, like, quite early in the Trump uh, administration. So the people mm-hmm. that have stuck around for the entire four years, I don't think should be getting too much credit for this right. being the final straw. Like, oh, no, we can't we can't allow this. Yeah, but it's not even yeah. going to be for so many of them, which is like there, there's yeah. no redemption for any of them now. Right. Just yeah. think, about Lin- th- think about Lindsey Graham, who was like right there with Trump until people literally like broke into the Capitol and people died. And then he's like, well, Trump, uh, <laughs> we had a good run. But, uh, you know, uh, even though a few hours ago, I believed our uh, our democracy was being stolen by lizard people in spaceships rigging the Dominion voting machines. uh I've seen enough, and I don't believe that anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's like, and then, you know, on CNN and, like, with the libs, they're just like, oh, my God, this is epic. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Like, get, I, like this is the reason none of this is going to get fixed right here. Yeah. When there's never any consequences, exactly. Which is why you hope that there will be some fucking consequences for the people that per- perpetrated this shit yesterday. Which could be the is it, that's going to be the only thing that's going to possibly prevent something even worse from happening in the future. Right. Um, I've been telling this to reporters all day. If the consequences for what happened on Wednesday do not match the severity of the actions and the violation against democracy that occurred. This will happen again, and it will be worse. Well, look, I mean, look at that. You mentioned the guys that were in the in the Capitol with the, those those zip ties and stuff. And no matter wonder what they were planning. But like you go back to that plot from a f- couple months ago with uh, Gretchen Whitmer, which was like there was no consequences for anyone that was like helping incite that. They, in fact, doubled down on a lot of the rhetoric that they were using about Whitmer uh, after this happened. Uh, and then so, yeah, lo and behold, someone, some Yahoo gets the exact same idea, except on a grander scale. Uh, so that's the only way that's going to be um, dealt with. Um, but also the scary thing here as well is that there, there's a really serious problem here uh, of right-wing misinformation, right-wing conspiracies, and these these very dangerous groups that have become radicalized online. But like, I'm wondering what the fucking solution to this is st- supposed to be, because then like the solution isn't Patriot Act 2 to give the intelligence community even more power to track people and look into their search history. Yeah, like, no, 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 or, no. Or or give more billions of dollars to the police. Like people were saying, like, oh, the Capitol Police were were overwhelmed. That's this need more money and more funding. It's like I don't. I feel like that's a that's a. If you go in that direction to kind of confront this problem, then it's like you're you're doubling down on all the worst aspects of of the security state. And making it, it even worse. And isn't that always interesting? Whenever the police shit the bed, the solution is always to like give the police more money. Yeah, they're one of the only institutions <laughs> where that rule seems to apply. You know? I wish mm-hmm. I could do that at my job. I wish I could just like not turn in reports and be like, yeah. well, you know, the only thing that, that is really going to fix the core problem of this is doubling my salary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you drive a hard uh, bargain. Failed your performance review? Okay, well, I guess we're going to give you a 25% increase. <laughs> Um, so here's what I wanted to ask you guys, and I guess we can probably finish up with this unless there's anything else, but there does seem to be movement now, and people are, seem to be pretty serious about this in the Democratic Party, especially about impeaching Trump again. Impeach the Cheeto, get it. Impeach the Cheeto in chief, which, which is something they could do and actually convict him this time because now that they've, they've controlled the Senate as well, which would, if I'm not mistaken, 
prevent him from running again, because that's another thing we've been talking about a lot, which is that a lot of what Trump's been doing over the last couple of weeks is setting up a 2024 run, which could be very successful if he does leave the office and spends the next four years going on TV every single day and talking about the stolen election, about he was the legitimate president and all this stuff. Um, he still has a lot of power over and control over the right wing uh, base. And he would be a, an absolute threat, especially if the Democrats don't meet this moment with the sort of forcefulness that it needs. And history tells us that they probably will not. Uh, that would be setting the stage for a possibility of Trump running again and, and possibly winning in, 20, in 2024, which would not be possible, I believe, if he was impeached. So do you two think that there's going to be any movement around this? Or is this just like, uh, you know, people like Chuck Schumer trying to look tough with, with two weeks to go before he uh, leaves on his own? I mean, from my perspective, personally, I don't care if it's the 25th Amendment. I don't care if it's impeachment. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Trump's got what? Like, by the time this comes out, probably like 12 days or something. Um, you know, this isn't going to fix the problems or something. But if the Democrats sit there and allow the president to send a mob to the Capitol that puts the whole place on lockdown where his supporters are bringing out explosive devices and firearms. Like if, if there is not even a symbolic repercussion for that, then like, I, I just don't know what to do. How, how, I, I, I don't know. I, I would just be lost for words like I am now. Yeah. What do you think, Jordan? Do you think they're going to go for this? I think you have to. I, I mean, it's just like what Jared says. Like, do you, I mean, do you want to live in a, in, a, in a country where people upset with the election can demand that supporters storm the Capitol, bust the windows and break in? Um, I think that's a bit barbaric uh, for, for our <laughs> for where we're at collectively i mean for, our for society short, certainly short. has flaws but like that's that's just like i don't know i think we, we i don't want to live in a place where that is becomes the norm and let, I'm let the record that, show that jordan thinks that storming the u.s capital is in quite poor taste <laughs> <laughs> very uncouth. not a fan yeah yeah it's just like i mean it's you, not I think you not have, a good like, look girlfriend we have, I mean, we already have very little checks and balances on politicians in general. It's like, Jesus Christ, at what point is like, are they going to even like pretend like they care? Like, it's just pure brazen partnership on display. Just like Lindsey Graham was asked today, it's like if he would support the 25th Amendment or impeachment. And he's like, oh, if something else happens, then all options would be on the table. <laughs> what else? What else? <laughs> what else needs to happen, Lindsey? Like specifically, what would what would they need to do for you to actually care? And it's just like even like the most loyal, ardent people don't care. The people who are backbenchers in the house won't care. And then the moderate Republicans will be like, oh, he's out in two weeks anyway. There was even kind of like an initial recoil from Democratic leaders when they were like they initially kind of we just want to turn the page yeah, yeah yeah and the, at the georgia call alone should have been something pretty significant and akeem jeffries uh was just like no we're moving on we're, we don't want to live in the past 
like about yeah. something that had happened like two this days is like, prior. Yeah, this is literally happening right now, like in <laughs> yeah. the present, in the current moment that we're yeah. living in. Like right immediately now. after, I mean, technically everything would be in the past then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, it's just, it's very frustrating. You hit someone um, with your car and they're like, hey, can I get your insurance information? You're like, hey, I don't want oh, to relitigate this stuff from the past. This happened, <laughs> yeah. this happened like 30, 45 seconds. This happened 30, 45 seconds ago. I mean, you, you know, listen, any kind of information we could exchange is just preventing us from coming together and moving <laughs> forward down the road. <laughs> And and then the guy's like, no, coming together was the problem. Oh, you yeah. see, <laughs> our cars don't come together. Yeah. No, I, I, it's there already is just no accountability. Um, there's no there's no checks and balances on the on the power the politicians have. And this is like a fucking layup. This is a wide open layup. A guy on the way out. A guy you don't really like anyway, a guy who is just clearly out of his mind, and you could so easily have this moment where everyone looks like the responsible people, but they have so much power and so much control and no oversight, no checks and balances, nobody holding their feet to the fire, and they don't even care. They're not even going to fucking go through the charade to impeach this guy or or use the 25th Amendment to remove him, and when you have like... The sensational clips from the Capitol, smashing windows of the Capitol that he had to a crowd he had just spoken to. It is a direct through line. It is a slam dunk, and they don't even care to do that. And it's 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 not about like, uh, you know, sir, put country over party. It is just they are so brazenly corrupt, and they know you can't do anything about it. They don't fucking care. Yeah. Well. I mean that's there that's what there does seem to be some movement and you have people like the progressive members of the of Congress really pushing towards this. Uh Schumer is taking a position on it, but yeah, the the question is whether whether Schumer is actually serious about doing something like that or if he's just kind of punting and saying, you know, if if the Republicans should, should get rid of him, and if not, maybe we might think about doing something as well. But it's like, are you uh, are you everything really everything he does for in the next Congress, you have to look at through the lens of his reelection campaign. He started his reelection campaign immediately after the general. Everything he does now, you have to look at the at it through that lens. And because he, he's he, going to revert suspects, back to how he, he suspects is that he's going to have a progressive challenger. Probably, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, be pretty interesting to see. They could could be double impeached. That'd be kind of <laughs> funny way to go. Funny way to end that, that whole uh, sordid affair. Yeah, I mean, I already thought he was going out in a really messy way, and I thought it was hilarious. This just took it to great heights. Like, just it's. It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, impeach him or not, I don't care. I mean, like, crumple up a Cheeto bag and pass it as a resolution. You just have to do something. That's that's yeah. maybe a little bit over the line, Jared. We're we're talking about you know, dangerous incendiary rhetoric, mm -hmm. so I think we better tone down some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. The Cheeto references. Mm-hmm. Not very civil. <laughs> Jared, um, how can people find your work online? Thanks for joining the show. It was a pleasure to speak with you about this stuff. Plug, plug uh, all your stuff before we say uh, goodbye. I've got a podcast. It's called Shitpost. I do analysis um, and writing a lot. Uh, probably the easiest way to find that is just follow me on Twitter at Jared L. Holt. I post all the links there. Um, and 
I think that's it. I think that's my plugs. Cool. Thanks for joining <laughs> us, Jared. Uh, yeah, sure thing. It was awful. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can find us on iTunes or Spotify or at Substack, theinsurgents.substack.com. You'll get the latest episodes delivered straight to your inbox as well as our newsletter. On Twitter, we are at InsurgentsPod. Tweet at us, harass Ken in our replies, and then send us your hate mail to theinsurgentspod at gmail.com. Thank you once again for listening. <laughs>